Well, 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 climb aboard. I'm here. Captain John. Yes, sir. We are back. Ahoy. No. What? Did you say ahoy? No. Don't say the other part Stop. or it's over. Okay. <laughs> Uh, although that would make for an easy, nice little episode. Editing would be a breeze. No one would yell at us that we're doing things wrong, which may come up today. Oh, yeah, it's coming up. Because today's episode <laughs> is called Make the Case. Yes. And you know it's official because we have a sound effect. It gives for you it. a feeling of power when you hear that, right? Yeah. So today we are going to Make the Case. Yes. So, um, what do we mean when we say Make the Case? I think people know, but. Yeah, make the case. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago, and there's always that song or handful of songs that you have that you love that you think are yacht or you think belong on the yacht. And every time you post them somewhere, someone tells you it's yacht or or it's not been um, scored as highly as you think it should. And you either think the guy's had a bad day or you have a different outlook on it. And you want to say the reason I think this song is a yacht rock song is this. And here's the case I would make for it. Fill in the blank. And then you would take all the arrows and all the down votes on social media. Yeah. But, and I think there's three, I was thinking about this. I think there's maybe three approaches to this. Right. There's the one in which is just the hard and fast rules are what they are. So JD and the gang made the rules and mm-hmm. you live and die by them. There is a list. Uh, so the song is either on that list above 50 or it's below, right? Or it's not rated Or it's not at on all. the list at all. And not that's a different the, issue. But. Which that brings in this, right. this this issue that we're talking about. Or we've got now the uh, the minor leagues with the rub down guys, right? right? So they are sort of quasi-certifying. So you could just say, hey, there's rules. Go look them up in case closed. Which Except I think, that the rules aren't all that black and white, but maybe well, that's yes. where you're headed. Right, exactly. So that still, though, leaves some people wanting because they don't, A, they might not know the rules. A lot of people come into this genre just as an aside the way that I did, which is you discover that there is a this thing and it's a loosely defined light rock music from the late 70s and 80s. And you just fall in love with the genre. You don't yeah. even know the history, right? And it's so, you, so closely related to AOR, which it's a subgroup of West Coast AOR. So there's the easy tendency to think all West Coast AOR is yacht rock, which correct. is not. Especially if you don't know that there was a rating, that there was a list, right. and all that stuff. So right. You don't know the history. You're just like, well, no. you're you're just like, like well, why like is this. it a yacht? Yeah. Right? Which is sort of the second school of thought, which is, well, maybe this song, like you said earlier, should be on the list, even though it isn't. Or maybe it's not on the list because it was never rated. And so now it's like, well, this should either be higher or it should be included. Yeah. And people want to make the, the case. case. And I can add one more thing to it is that everybody has their own particular branch of the Yacht Rock sound they like. That's what makes Yacht Rock so weird mm-hmm. is that it encompasses a lot of different sounds within it. And everybody has their own favorite. And so you're going to be more partial to that and your boundary is going to be a lot weaker. So what happens is everybody has their own somewhat their own personal interpretation of yacht for their particular taste. Yes. And I think that there's a there's a purist strand which is on that kind of trending I don't towards care soul. What you like. This <laughs> <is yacht. laughs> no, but I think the purist would take that, you know, it's gotta have some element of the rhythm and blues of souls. And I don't disagree with any of that. But yeah. as soon as you land there, then and then you start considering songs like by uh, England Dan and John Ford Coley or a lot of Christopher Cross, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. certified, then you're like, well, that's not that. So anyways, this is where it gets murky. So now you're in the second category. Right. Then there's the third school of thought, which is just like, well, is does it give me the feels? And I think that one's a little too loosey-goosey even for me. I be- agree. Because some boat music could give me the feels, and it doesn't mean it's Yacht Rock. Whatsoever. Well, we had that discussion too about people say, you know, when I hear that song, it puts me on the boat. 
And some people think that that means, well, I could listen to that while I'm out on my boat, but that's not really what Yacht Rock is. Right. Putting it on the boat. Right. Right. So we're not so loosey-goosey on that end if it feels right, do it. Right. I shouldn't maybe speak for you. I'm also not personally of that first school of thought, which is the rules are written in stone, and we're going to get into probably why today. Um, We're somewhere in the middle, which is like if, if, if a song has some elements and it's not considered yacht or it's specifically considered yacht, can we make the case and yeah. can we at least just offer why we think it is? Right. And we're not certifiers. And I would really step on it here because, I, as I said earlier, not all the, the rules supposedly are that black and white. And so they become interpretive. And, you know, I like to think about from a more theoretical standpoint, you know, the, the theory of why something is what it is, I can make it black and white through theory. But when I'm told... You say music theory? Yes, it's yes. in music theory. But when I'm told something has the doobie bounce, which is, you know, people that know it know what it is, but it's really not a defined term. It's one of those things they say, well, you know it when you feel it, right? right? So I am of the school that I like to be able to say, well, what is it exactly? And if I can define it, then I can place it right and i think what you're touching upon is what um people call the curse of knowledge which is you have enough music theory you yourself personally Mm -hmm. that you say well this is something which is element a this over here is element b but because i know the music theory that went into element a and i see it in element b those by the transitive property are practically the same Mm -hmm. which we're going to get into a perfect example of the person who does not have that curse of knowledge, it just looks at the rules as they're stated, would say, well, no, I'll give you an I example. I feel it in A, but I don't feel it in B. Or A yeah. is keyboard-driven, and B is guitar-driven, guitar right. which is, I think, explicitly a no-no enumerated in the web series, is that it can't be yeah. acoustic guitar And I think what happens with that one, that's that's the big one, at least for one of the songs we're going to discuss today, is that I think that because of that, people automatically throw out anything where they hear a dominant acoustic guitar. And right. I think there are some songs that get thrown out with that that maybe just because they're lumped in as being acoustic guitar songs, I think they're wrongfully placed. Right. Again, in the second school of thought. And the first school of thought is if it's a rule, it's a rule, then fine, that's the way you want to live, then that's fine too. For us, though, we're like, well, wait a minute, just because it's a different instrument, let's look at the theory. So I, we're hearing right. different things, and I, hopefully mm-hmm. this all come across as incredibly music snobbish. But you can't help it when you hear it. You're like, well, that chord and this chord, they were yeah. doing the same type of thing, right? and they're all you know pulling from jazz elements. Like, we hear it. Right. So anyways, do we, should so, we bring up some examples? Okay, the number one song that we wanted to uh, make the case what a fool um, believes. Now this yes. is very oh, wait, that's yeah. not a very controversial song. Yeah. <laughs> no, what is it? No, the one that that hit me first because it almost came up in our solos episode when we were doing the best solos non-guitar related. I came across the uh, melodica solo on Orleans Dance with Me. And I knew that that was going to take me down a rabbit hole of discussing Dance With Me and is it a yacht song or is it not? And I know that it was scored low. It was scored a 15.25. So that's basically a big thumbs down. So if you're in the first school of thought, you could turn off the show because it's been answered for you. So I decided that that was a song for which I wanted to make the case. Real quick, didn't this come up on Facebook though? Like somebody suggested directly that, hey, no, that can't be... A yacht song. It's acoustic guitar driven. Yeah. 
Um, oh, that, that goes back to where I think that it gets thrown out with those. But it's not a strum yacht song. It's not a strum rock song. They're not strumming the guitar like, you know, campfire, campfire style, right? Um, but if we're going to throw out all the acoustic guitar songs, you know, Ned Doheny. Right. He has three certified songs, and you could probably certify his entire first three albums if you wanted to. Yeah. But they're very acoustic guitar driven, especially Get It Up For Love. You know, that's his highest scored song, 72 0.25, if I recall. And the and whole rhythm is driven by that thing. acoustic guitar. Right. So that rule has now been broken, I guess. So so I try to point out why is that song not strum rock? Why is it not just that? And so I had a few different reasons, and I'll give you my real quick list. Number one, there's very limited use of a drum kit. It's not really your straight rock drum kit. It's all much more hand percussion driven. Mm-hmm. Notice the bass part. The bass part is very elaborate in it. It's yes, a lot it of arpeggiations, a lot of uh, things going on. It's not just, you know, anchoring chords. And that sophisticated bass line is a hallmark of Yacht Rock. Yes. Yes. Um, something that is a hallmark of Yacht Rock also, smooth harmonies. Lots of beautiful smooth harmonies yes. in there. Um, they're very clever lyrics. They're not overly sappy or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's kind of a, um, they're not heavy, right? right. Um I said the melodica solo. So we're talking about an instrumentation that you wouldn't apply to your basic strum stuff. It's not like Take It Easy from the Eagles or something, right? right? You exactly. Know? He watch it on so, the Eagles there. I know. But if you listen even to that guitar part at the beginning, you know, it's not just strumming chords. You can hear it's like an articulated melody that has chords and melody embedded at the same time. You know, it's not just strumming stuff. So yep. there's this this structure of playing the melody playing these chords underneath it that puts it in a level outside of just you know here's g c d and e minor chords you know well and i would say all of that you that you encapsulated there i think alludes to a sophistication that is prevalent in yacht rock that is not prevalent in other genres in terms of it's trying to do it's trying to explore the boundaries of what you might typically do otherwise so in this example yeah Acoustic guitar-driven rock was typically strum rock, and you just rattled right. off the chords. G, C, D, and E minor. There yeah. you go. Boom. Stay in there. And this is not that. And there's also chord voicings, which I think you're going to get into. That's what I'm getting into where, yeah, there's that melody in there, and that has a jazz influence to it, you yes. know, because it's a jazz style of, of guitar playing where you're voicing chords and melody all the same time, you know? So yeah. you're playing, if you're a solo jazz guitarist, you're playing the bass, you're playing the chords, and you're playing the melody all at one time. Very sophisticated. In fact, you know, we talk about jazz influence in it. Earl Clue did a cover of Dance With Me. Yes. Earl. And practically didn't even touch it in terms of changing the melody. He didn't reharmonize it. He didn't do anything to it other than just lay down a groove and play the tune. Based on that, did Earl Clue play, play the bass too? I don't know. I did oh. not look that up. But it's a killer bass line on that cover. But anyways. So in it, you know, going sticking with the jazz thing, if I'm going to make the case, I'm going to point out that um, this goes back to an interview I watched of Larry Carlton with mm. uh, Rick Beato. And Rick Beato uh, on YouTube, one of his questions was about the way you play your solos you, you're so melodic in the way that you play, and it fits so well, yet it still sounds like it has a jazz sort of persona to it. And 
How do you go about that? And Larry Carlton had a simple explanation. He said that everything that I do, no matter what chord is being played, I think a fifth above that and play as though I'm in that chord. So if the chord is a C, you know, C. Mm-hmm. One C is one. One, two, three, four, five, C, D, E, F, G. So he's thinking a G chord, five above. And he's playing those notes. And those notes are above the chord of C. They're like what are called upper structure notes. So he can still play very melodically in there, but the notes themselves sound jazzy in relationship to that bass mm-hmm. chord of a C. So I put together this little thing where I'm sort of illustrating how that five over one theory that idea of working a fifth above whatever chord is on the bottom, you think a fifth above, and I'll explain that, but how that is a staple sound of Yacht Rock right to its core. Check it out. So the five over one theory goes like this. Um, as Larry Carlton said, he thinks a fifth above uh, whatever chord root he's playing over. So... Um, as I thought about that, I started to hear a lot of that in the structure of chords in Yacht Rock. And it basically sounds like this. So if I take a basic D chord on a piano, it sounds like this. So now if we think a fifth above that, so D being one, one, two, three, four, five, D, E, F sharp, G, A. So now A is a fifth above. If we play an A chord in the right hand over D in the left hand, we get this sound. And by keeping a D in the left hand and alternating between uh, having the A in the right hand or the D chord in the right hand, you can kind of start to hear it taking some shape. We can move the, uh, the bass note down in the key and we start creating other chords on top of that same structure in the right hand. And you can pretty much do that over any chord in the key by thinking a fifth above whatever your left hand is doing. Now let's move that to a more stock um, Yacht Rock sound, The Roads, and hear how it sounds on that. Suddenly you start to hear a whole bunch of these uh, nicer, jazzier, uh, color-sounding notes above the D. That It's still a D chord because it's rooted in D, but it has all this extra stuff up top that's uh, more interesting and uh, jazzy-sounding to the ear. And what you find in a lot of Yacht Rock is that that's how they take very major sounding things but give them a jazzier tonality. And in fact, they will take this 5 over 1 thing and the A chord over the D and they will sometimes play A over D and sometimes go back to just plain old D over D. And when that starts working back and forth from A over D and D over D, you start to hear this sound. And that now you hear is sort of the entire structure of the intro, the guitar part the, for Dance With Me, as well as the vocal melody for the hook and everything. It becomes the core of that song. So now once you hear that, you can start to hear some of these uh, famous Yacht Rock songs in there. So a short list of uh, songs that use this heavily uh, the beginning of Heart to Heart from uh, Kenny Loggins. Which is a minor key variation on the idea. 
you listen to the hook of Hot Rod Hearts from Robbie Dupree. Let's go to the tape for a couple of these. Kiss on my list, if you consider that to be a Yachty tune. Uh, lots of Christopher Cross we hear it uh, here in the beginning of All Right. And it's almost identical again here and never be the same. Same exact concept, put into a minor key. We got a Michael McDonald composition, Doobie Brothers. It keeps you running. And then if uh, we take what we were doing and we do this with it. Suddenly now we have sailing. It's almost exactly the same as uh, Dance With Me. When you put it in this context, um, it's almost identical. So it gets me thinking that if all of these songs are absolutely considered no-brainer uh, yacht rock songs, with the, I guess the exception of maybe the Hall & Oates tune, then why not Dance With Me? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why not Indeed. Yeah, so I think, again, it goes back to are you a hardliner about the rules and you're not even going to consider the case that you just made because right. it's guitar-driven or, you know, it's then funny. you got to go back and kick Ned Doheny out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And some Christopher Cross, yeah, by the way. Right. Not as much. Yeah. It's not driven, it's but not there, driven there's a lot of acoustic much. guitar in his Mixed mix. in, yeah. But um, what was interesting to me about what you just played is how you changed the uh, the voicing of the instrument from a piano to electric the piano. Yeah. It totally changes it. Totally it changes it. But then how you the similarities between all of those songs that you played is just where they're all doing that same five over one theory in their bounce. It's like okay, yeah. well, dance with me's right in and there. And I found like four or five more of those just in the past two days, just coming across with my list playing, and I like started writing them down. I'm like. I'm just going to keep making a list of five over one songs. You're so you many. should. You could create a whole list, and then people we could, could do a whole episode. Oh yeah, right. I was going to say people could argue whether that little yeah. song should be on that list or not. But anyway, okay. well, yeah. Well, I know you had a song that you wanted to talk about, so um, I'm going to relinquish the floor to you. Okay. Well, talking about slinging the arrow. So yes. well, so making the case of what you just went through and what you know I said is the curse of knowledge is the music theorists. Right. Right take i get that i don't know that you necessarily have to know all of the music theory to make a case i mean you see it on facebook all the time right there's people i'm not suggesting you have to know all that either no no that's not the snobbery i'm going after so let's take another approach a different approach we'll take a song um by pure prairie league right 
Okay. Yep. Um, so typically not a Yacht Rock song. Do you know where the song Let Me Love You Tonight scored on the yes. ASCII scale? Yeah, it was a 44, so it wasn't completely thrown out. But was, in their view, yes, it yacht. was below 50, but people like to say that in the 40s, maybe it's a little more debatable. And that's, that's true. But I still think that that's lower than it deserves. So the novice might take an approach to say, all right, well, what am I hearing in that song? Do you wonder, though, if, if people hear the name of the band Pure Prairie League and that automatically sets their mind into a different place? Could be. Yeah. I mean... It just first... sounds so, like, podunk. Sometimes maybe you throw the baby out with the bathwater. So, like, when right. I think of Pure Prairie League, the song that they play a lot on the Sirius channel oh, is... Amy. Amy, yeah. Amy, what you wanna do? And I don't find anything yachty about that. No, I find it in a bunch of other, other stuff, but not that. In case you're wondering, that score is about an 11 on the Yachty scale. So maybe they hear Pure Prairie League to your point and yeah. say, well, then you conjure images of Vince Gill, and you're like, yeah. that dude's not yacht. Okay, but if you're going to say that it's a country song, mm-hmm. maybe that's where Pure Prairie League is. So we, I guess you start by making the case, why it isn't just a country song? What what makes it not a country song? Then you say, well, if it's not country, then where do we define it? So we could start there. The f- you All know. right, so I'll give you a few things that are obvious. Okay. The most obvious happens in the first couple measures, and that's you hear... David Sanborn David wailing Sanborn. out an alto sax part, which A, is a country. Right. B, it's representative of the genre's proclivity to bring in session cats. Yes, and particularly David Sanborn and alto playing in that register, the sing-along kind of melody. I mean, those are all yacht kind of things. Exactly. And a band isn't going to typically bring in session cats, but this band did for that particular reason. Right. So they were clearly going for a sound. I think we're talking 1978, you know, off the top of your head? Uh, 1980. Ooh, so a little bit yeah. later. Yeah. So they're clearly going right for the, the sound that yeah. has been happening, right? right? So this is no mistake. You play a little of this and you're like, oh yeah, they're trying to be yacht. And Vince Gill's voice is decidedly not country, even though he's a country superstar. Right. Right. Well, play a little, just for now, because I'm going to reference, listen to the bass line here. Okay. Now, here's a country bass line. I'm going to try to beat bass for you again. Oh, nice. Back and forth. Right. Stuff. This is not that. This is no. a very active bass line. This bass line, uh, or I'm sorry, this bass player even dabbles in popping and some of their other right. yachtier tunes. So that's a jazz influence. It's certainly yeah. a new. Without diving deep into the theory, the chords are not your typical country chords. Which is going to be relevant to the next example we use. So maybe it just will. real yeah. quickly, so we'll just... just on that though, is right. country music. And this is where we're really going to diverge in our next example. Country music is simple by design, I feel like. It is. They it's use, more about telling the story than it is about all of the right. uh, the chords and all that stuff. And so they use what I think I'm direct or sorry, correctly describing as tonal types of chord arrangements. In other words, tonal means pleasing to the ear. Mm-hmm. It sounds right. You can mm-hmm. almost hear what the next chord's supposed to be yeah. because it's so intuitive. Right. And the minute you start adding complexity, like we talked about in the previous version, that's when you start getting atonal. And sometimes that's pleasing, sometimes it's dissonant to the ear, but that's what jazz is all about, is right. creating the unexpected where you're mm-hmm. not expecting it, right? right. And so that's, when I hear people compare songs that I think are yachty, and they say, well, it's too country, I think what they're hearing is twang, but they're not necessarily correctly, I think, interpreting the chord structure or the chord progression structure, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. sometimes different. Yeah. 
So on this song in particular, um, you just reference the fact that it's some of these chords that are not just your typical country chords. No, the bass line isn't. And then you throw it's a in shuffle all the, beat. The shuffle beat, exactly. In a, in a smooth feeling shuffle beat. Now it's not the halftime shuffle, but it's still shuffle, mm-hmm. which isn't entirely a non-country thing. The country uses more of the Texas swing, but this is more of a straight driving shuffle. Yep, feels more West Coast to me. I mean, it was recorded at uh, what is it? Um, Sound City. Yes, the, you know, back in the, the infamous, famous Sound City. Yeah, right? which is in the heart of Hollywood, L.A. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So not Nashville, right? Right. And then the harmonies, I think, sound so reminiscent of some of these yacht rock group layered harmonies to me. Oh, definitely, and that's probably Vince Gill's um, sort of mindset. Um, they uh, the other thing I, I noticed about it is that they uh, it's a it's more than just a country tune because of the pop crossover success that it had too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit on that. So it went to number ten, peaked at number ten on, on the pop charts. Yeah, yep. nineteen eighty. Uh, it was in the top forty for eleven weeks, so it wasn't just a quick little spike in and out. Um, it also spent three weeks at number one on the adult contemporary chart. Hmm. So again, we're not talking about a song that just purely had country success either. Did you say, and I zoned out, did you say where it appeared on the country chart? I did not. Did it? I believe it went to number one. Okay. I, I don't have that in front of Probably me. Probably because they were considered a country artist and there was nothing yeah. outperforming it at the time. So, okay. Interesting. Well, uh, I have, here's the, like, just the case closer right here. Ooh, yeah. So you can't argue. Slam dunk. I drop this factoid on you. Okay. The record label? Yeah. Casablanca Records. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. Dan, Dan, uh, Dean Donahue. Exactly. He's <laughs> close, right? Um, nice. So I think that's how you would maybe make the case without getting into all the music theory. I know you touched right. on some of the chords or whatever, but um, I would say if you're open to, quote unquote, making the case, hit the sound effect, that... I think that's what's fun about this genre, too. I think it, it, it makes certain people pull their hair out. They're like, no, it's yeah, not yacht yeah. rock. But for the rest of us, we're like, oh, but listen to this. This could be. You could pull songs out of your you-know-where yeah. and say, oh, my God, I found this over here, but maybe it belongs over here. To me, that's part of the fun, and I just I, yeah. I think it's a shame when those people get shot down. Well, if it if it wasn't worth discussing and debating, then why would there, you know, we how many people are in that Facebook group the, the big one over six, six seven thousand yeah. or something like that and then we've got podcasts not just ours but others right you know obviously it's fun to debate and it, if it was also ironclad there'd be nothing to debate and i think part of the mission our specifically our mission with this podcast but with others and the people who are in these groups everyone's on the hunt for new stuff right mm-hmm. and you're you're not going to find a lot of new stuff concurrently although there is some modern yacht out there but it's like this is what's so fun about you find a gem and you're like, oh my god, what about this one? And then if the rule is no, sorry, it's not on the <laughs> official list. Then then what's the point? Yeah, right, right. So, anyways, anything else on uh, making the case for "Let Me Love You Tonight"? I think lyrically too, it falls right into. It's like such a sappy little like. Uh, it might be too sappy lament. for some of the purists on on that, but um, but listen to. Listen to uh, Bill Bounty's lyrics. It's, the lover's lament is in every song. Right? Yeah, that's true. So, anyways. I'll take that. Yep. That's a point in your favor, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about country. Yeah, so now we're going to kind of bridge that gap. Yes. Uh, so when I tend to get my hand slapped about the eagles, uh-oh, here it is, yep. come the slings and arrows, mm-hmm. um, the early catalog is often dismissed as it's too country. 
But I think some of those songs are the ones that people try to put in, like Peaceful, Easy Feeling and Tequila Sunrise, because it's got tequila. Yeah. Or maybe it's the sunrise. I'm not sure what is the word that brings it in. Or the Peaceful, Easy Feeling. Yes, exactly. Um, But to me, I'm hearing twang. I'm not always hearing country. Because of the sophistication that the Eagles wrote a lot of their songs with. Yeah. So I'll give you an example, and I'm going to let you expand upon this. But if we, you know, you listen to a song like New Kid in Town. That's the one that stands out is different than the entire rest of their catalog, if you ask me. But yeah, I think so, too. And So when you say all eagles don't belong on the boat, well, let's look closer at this song. Yes. And the, the one thing that always popped out at me, not even being the music theorist that you are, is that I just always fall in love with the chord that immediately precedes the chorus. Because you would never do that in a country song. Right. It adds a seven, right? Well, uh, I'll explain that when we get there. Okay. I've got a little bit of a harmony on that one too. And it adds, but whatever yeah. it is, it adds a certain dissonance that sets up the chorus. And they do it a couple different ways, which I'll let you explain. But like, you would never do that in country because it's not intuitive. It's not easy. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel right. like easygoing. It's like it creates some tension, and they do that throughout the entire song. So I think when you look at this song, first of all, electric piano driven, right? That's and a big, big one. Big one. Um, and then just the structure. I- I'm blown away with the analysis that you did on this song. Well, it's it's a super pristine recording, too. Yes, I it mean, is. Um, it's recorded in cleanest. L.A., right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you even, um, if you like to have the ironic, you know, fool-based lyrics, I mean, this, this it doesn't say the word fool, but, you know, it's the whole big man on campus comes to town, he's the new thing, he's the new happening thing, and over time, your star sort of fades, and there's another new kid in town ready to come and replace you as the next big thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very yachty story right there, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yep. Um, but to go back to your uh, thing about that chord... And it is a theory thing, and we talk a lot about key changes. Yeah. Um, we talk about it a lot in uh, David Foster productions and stuff. He loves the key change, but he loves the sudden key change, where you're going along and then, boom, it just jumps into another key suddenly, and you just hear it like your entire world's been sort of shaken. It's funny, my wife and I, when you hear that, we yell out, key change! You know, <laughs> even if you're across the room, you know, when you hear that, it's just so sudden. And that's a device used for a particular effect. Now... The flip side of that is if you go to the more uh, traditional jazz type of songwriting, that they will, because they like these very sophisticated melodies, their chords are going to go from key to key to key to key. But they're doing it in such a way that they don't want you to feel that sudden change. They want to take you on this ride, and you're going to go through three or four uh, keys, possibly in one verse, but they do it with these chords to set it up so that it goes naturally. You get this tug where it, you know where it, you feel like when it lands, it's landing in the right place. Even though it's an entirely new key, you don't register it that way. So they use this device. This is what you were talking about there. And in jazz terms, it's called a 2-5. And it's just a way of setting up these two chords that will lead you into the next key, wherever it is you want to go. It's a device that takes your mind and tells you, here's coming this, and it's going to create this sort of tugging motion to where it wants to land on this new chord. And that new chord is in the new key, but because your body and your mind is telling you it wants to go there, it feels natural. 
jazz cats could do this on the fly, right? They would the yell time. out a key that they want to get to, and everyone knew, all right, hit the two, hit the five, and then you're yeah. in the new... You hear some of these traditional jazz tunes that go through three, four keys in a verse, and then they go to another key for the bridge, and then they're back to the original key, and you don't even notice that it's changed. But what you say is, wow, those are some really neat jazzy chords. Well, those jazzy chords are what they're using to get you to these places without rocking your world. It's it, more that constant sort of slow motion. And is it one of the defining characteristics of Yacht Rock, as expressed by the purists, that it borrows jazz elements? Absolutely. Absolutely. So going back to New Kid in Town, when I charted this one out and transcribed what was going on, it goes through multiple keys. Uh, I think at the end I finally counted six different keys. Mm-hmm. And let's go through that. I'm going to play this thing that I put together that shows you how they get from place to place, how the 2-5 convention from jazz is used to do it, and how this song is far more sophisticated than another strum rock Eagles piece of, you know, three chords, four chords, whatever. Wait to hear how many different keys this goes through. Check it out. So as we talked about in the uh, songwriting for like the standards in the jazz era, they use this vehicle, the 2-5, which sounds like this. And it wants to resolve to this. So with the 2-5, it always has this feeling of once you get to this point, it wants to resolve to this point. So it always feels like it's tugging you in that direction of wherever it's going to want to resolve. Now that is the vehicle that they generally use in those standards to want to get from one key to another. So if they're going from the verse section to maybe a bridge section, which is typically in a different key, they're going to use this 2-5 as a vehicle to target that next key. So if they want to get to a certain chord, they put whatever 2-5 in front of it that has that tugging nature to draw you in as a listener to the chord they want to target. So right there, I'd started in the key of C and ended in the key of F, and it's a fairly seamless way of getting there. And they will use that to get into new keys, and generally then when they want to get back to the A section or the verse section, they'll use that 2-5 vehicle again to get back into whatever the original key was. So that is a technique that we see really commonly here in New Kid in Town. As we talked about, it goes through multiple keys. So it starts out, the verse is, uh, doesn't sound really like it's anything um, too uh, substantial yet. It's pretty simple. But when we get to the chorus, we suddenly have this very interesting chord here that leads us into the chorus. And now suddenly, if we look at the chords in the chorus, as we started in the key of E, we are now clearly in the key of B. And at the end of the chorus, it wants to go back to E. So we hear this motion here where the F-sharp major chord becomes F-sharp minor. And that takes us to a B7 back to the key of E. We do that all again in the second verse into the second chorus. We've reached the second chorus and we've already changed keys three times. We go back now to the key of E for the bridge. So now there's a fourth key change. There's so many things you should have told her. 
So the bridge now is back in the key of E, and at the end of that, we hear a couple interesting chords, and boom, here is a 2-5, A minor 7 to D, which is taking us now to the key of G. So the first two verses are in E, third verse is in the key of G. As we modulated to a new key for the chorus before, we do the same thing here, and this time the chorus is in the key of D. So we've gone from the bridge in E to a verse in G to a chorus in D. And finally, then we have this outro vamp, which takes us back into the key of E. So if I counted correctly, that is six key changes in this song, all using that 2-5 vehicle, the jazz convention, in order to get from key to key. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you're talking about borrowing jazz elements to make Yacht Rock. Mm -hmm. Uh, This song is loaded with them, but you don't necessarily always hear it because they do it so amazingly transparently Mm -hmm. with the use of this 2-5 convention. Yeah, and I would have, even being a fan of the song... I would have, if I were going to sit down and like, let's learn this because it's a strong rock song that I could play at a campfire, I would have gotten about a tenth of the way through it and be like, what is going on with this thing? Yeah. And then I think I have it. And then like to your point, like I don't even realize that that last verse is in a totally different key. Yeah. Like, so it's amazing songwriting. And so again, just to dismiss it because you have a, a hardcore set of rules that no Eagles right. or whatever. So um, anyways. So there we go. That's how we would, uh, when it comes to New Kid in Town, that's how we would make the case. All right. Well, we might have some case making to do in the lightning round. Yeah, we might have to pack our cases, as in suitcases, (laughs) and beat it. That's right. Uh, Beat it? Uh, That is a not Yacht Rock song for me. It's got Lukather on. It's got personnel. that's right. Jeff Carl too. Now we're back to the rules. (laughs) All right. Let's hit the lightning round, shall we? All right. I was listening back to a few episodes recently, and uh, you seem to uh, have your panties in a bunch about me always going first. So, yeah. so you're going to go first? Yes. Okay. Can I go for- no, you go first. Okay. Well, this is good. Um, I guess a good jumping off point coming off of the Eagles and stuff. So, I have a question about floating your boat. This is the float your boat segment, and I think we're both guilty of probably putting more Little River Band on our boats than they probably mm-hmm. would uh, deserve by the hard and fast rules. But I want to ask you about one uh, from 1982. So this was a, an extra song on their Greatest Hits album. It was released as a single, but it hadn't been on an album previously. What's your opinion of The Other Guy? The other guy won't be around to talk to our kids. He won't understand when you're down the way that I did. We had it all. You and I, we just need to try again. Well, that's a toughie. Because the groove doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. But when they come in with those harmonies, it's like, oh, that's back on the yacht all of a sudden. 
Um, do you, do you want to make the case? <laughs> no, I'm not going to make the case. I, I think that this one is sits just slightly outside. I put it on mine, but I, I don't think I would advocate it that it belongs in the same case of like we've been doing yes. these others. But um, that's exactly right. I'm, I'm guilty of putting more of them on than they deserve, but still, same here. And I would fall on the same exact place as you. As I would say, nope, probably not. But it's going on the list because I want it there. Yes. All what right. you got? Well, I've got going back to, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, you brought up uh, Stay With Me Tonight by Jeffrey Osborne. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one was on the fence as well. Yeah. But it got me to explore more of the Jeffrey Osborne canon. Ooh. So I've got um, this one I legitimately torn about. 1982 from his first self entitled album. It's got George Duke on it, Michael Cimbello on guitar, uh, Abe Laboriel on bass, and this is uh, an old classic, On the Wings of Love. On the wings of love, only the two of us together flying high, flying high upon the wings of love. I was torn with that one too. I really was, because I wanted it to be on there. I felt initially like it, it was going to be on my yacht list, but it doesn't quite make it. It's a little bit, um, I guess I go back to, I'm not one of those no ballads on my boat guys, uh, but this one is a more of a bombastic ballad at times. Well, it's close. There's a little hitch in the giddy up, though. It's not a true ballad in the sense that it's just, you know, straight groove. There's yeah, something to it. I know. I, I'm with you, though. I, this was another one where I would say probably just not, but not I quite. ended up putting it on the list anyway. Okay. Good <laughs> I, <did. for> you. <laughs> I probably will do that later. I don't have it in there right now, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought there was a couple other Jeffrey Osborne songs we'd been talking about lately. Well, maybe I, I you should hold you off on that. Okay. I'm glad I interrupted. Well, I wasn't going to Be- say anything. So. Because I'm going to go Well, next. you want to go next. Yes. So. This is uh, Buried Treasure. So to All me, right. there is nothing unyachty about this next song. Same album, I believe. Yeah, I think it's the same album. Lewis Johnson on bass this time. Mm-hmm. Um, the album, it's got Polina DaCosta on uh, percussion. Nice. This was the song. I, so I played Stay With Me Tonight on Spotify. Then the next song was, you know, Related Radio. Mm-hmm. And the song comes on, and I said it to you. I'm like, oh, my God, is this Yachty? And this one, another hidden, this could be a buried treasure. It is a buried treasure. I'm unburying Eeny Meeny. Eeny Meeny, really cool. Um, it, it's actually a different album, but oh, uh, my bad. I'm going to save you the, the shame of having a flag thrown. But um, there was also another song, the first song on that album, I think it's called New Love or something like that, that I know is highly rated. Yep, but Eeny Meeny is, uh, <laughs> to me, that's textbook, boy, when I hear that. Love it. Yeah. So I just, I had a note here that the album personnel, I just got to run some names by. I already okay. said George Duke, yeah. Louis Johnson, Abel Boreal, um, on the Wings of Love is also on this album. Ha ha! Wait a minute. Yeah. You looking at the greatest hits or Now where does the flag come from? Maybe it comes to me. Yeah, no, I thought it was the same album. Jeffrey Osborne. Anyways, uh, we'll just continue with some names here. Sheila E. provides hand claps. Ernie Watts, tenor sax solo. Jerry Hay. Uh, who else? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So that this is a... Okay, so we rocket. misunderstood, though. 
Why? As I said, that On the Wings of Love is not on the same album as Stay With Me Tonight. Oh, it is on that's the same album about. as Eeny Meeny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. I was going with Eeny Meeny was on right. the same album. All right. All right. Anyways, we've cleared uh, that up. Chock full. I already mentioned Michael Sabella. Just chock Big full time. of cats. It's a this is a yacht rock album. When you talk about what were they doing, getting all the session cats, creating a certain kind of style. This is it, man. Yeah, and George Duke really knew the feel. Yes, he did. Yeah. So back to back, great one, Jeffrey Osborne. There's more Jeffrey Osborne out there for you if you like than I remembered. So yeah, for sure, good stuff. Buried treasure. Yes, for me. Um, I have a song. Uh, this was uh, from one of our Yacht Shocker guys. Ooh. This was Johnny Mathis. I'm going to go back yes. to the same album uh, that we talked about during Yacht Shockers, but a different song. 1984, he had an album called A Special Part of Me. Uh, on it, he had a song that was written by, co-written by Paul Anka, hmm. Michael Jackson, whoa, and Kathy Wakefield, who um, I didn't recognize her name, but she was also one of the co-writers of 100 Ways. So she definitely has the bona fides. Uh, Nathan East on bass, yeah. Louis Conti on percussion, um, Jerry Hay done the, doing the horns, uh, a guy named David Williams on guitar. And he happened to be like a Motown era guy who hung around and uh, eventually was um, worked at, with Michael Jackson and Quincy on, mm. on the Off the Wall album and stuff. So we got definitely Yachty type personnel. And this was Johnny Mathis doing Love Never Felt So Good. Johnny Mathis is a he's a buried treasure in this genre because I re- did realize I how much good stuff he has. I mean, you'd think he'd creatively be out of gas by then, you know? Yeah. Not necessarily too old to do it, but I mean, you know, when he started in the 50s, right? You know, 30 years later, 25 years later, and he's and making just, stuff that's relevant to the era. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remove him from like just Misty. Right. You know, it's like, and then yeah. he's yacht rocking a tune like that. The Man. whole album is killer, no filler. All right. I love it. All right. Well, do you have a. Uh, off the map, Andy? Yeah, I do. And actually, this was sent to us from a listener. Ooh. Yeah, so we uh, listener um, Mike Manishote, if I get this right, Mike Manishote. Um, he said uh, to me, I asked him for the phonetic spelling, and I couldn't even understand the phonetics. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he also goes by the name Magic Mustache Mike. All right, that's so, Yachty. So that's way better. I'm going to stick with that. So he, his question was uh, about a Steve Winwood song, mm. and um, I wasn't sure... He wasn't even sure whether it was Yachty or not, but um, he kind of wanted to get our opinion on it. So I thought I'd bring it in as off the map because um, I still want to get your opinion on whether you think it's uh, floating your boat. But I think it's a little bit off, so I guess I'm swaying the witness. But Mm -hmm. his question was about uh, why you see a chance. When some cold It's a great one for off the map. I don't think it's floats my boat though. Steve Winwood, I'm going to break my own rules here. Steve Winwood categorically is not on my boat. I don't know, I know. anything. I also was thinking about Valerie too. It's another one that's close for me, but something about him has um it feels like more of a European approach. It doesn't quite yeah. feel LA to me. I don't know. It you know, I so even makes sense. When, when he came out, so I'm a little bit younger than you, but like when he came out with the High Life, is that what that song's called? Yeah, or back no, in the high life, yeah. 
I, I meant uh, Higher Love, actually. Oh, Higher Love, So yeah. even higher than the yeah. High Love. Same album. Yeah, same album. That To me, that was the Steve Woodwind sound, so mm-hmm. I didn't even know traffic or any of that stuff. I had none of that kind of... That has personnel on it, but it's later. Yes. Yeah. But, um... So anyway, that's in my mind. That's what Steve Winwood is. So then, like even a song like this, I can't place on the boat for me. I don't I really love either. the song though. I do too, and, and I think he that was his opinion. I think as well. Yeah, but it was a it was a good. Uh, that's one that had kind of been stewing in the back of my mind for a while. Mm. The whole Winwood thing. And so I'm glad that he sent that in. It kind of triggered me into putting it in here. So it's in our list now. It it may trigger me to listen to some more Winwood, just not yeah. for Yachty reasons, just because I like his catalog. So. Yeah. All right, well, I've had this song and this artist on my list almost since day one. So we started doing this in August, right? This is Journey Lights? <laughs> no, that's the one I brought up first. <laughs> I've grown and matured. Um, but and the only reason I've had it on since day one is, so think back to April, a year ago, April 2020. We're all in these lockdowns. Yeah, so uh, it feels like April 2021. Oh, I know. So, right, exactly. But... This is around the same time that I decided to really, 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 really get into Yacht Rock. And this mm-hmm. is when we conceived of the idea for the podcast, whatever. Uh, and I'm just knee-deep, just buried in Yacht Rock. Um, this is a good time to be alive. But anyways, the other thing I was doing when I wasn't Yacht Rocking is I discovered this band called... <laughs> what Mount- that <laughs> What's that? <laughs> just sounds funny. What I was doing when I wasn't <laughs> Yacht Rocking. Which only leaves like three or four minutes a day. I know. <laughs> um, was I discovered this band called Mount Joy. So they're a contemporary mm. artist. They are not Yachty, but they're kind of on the easy listening side of adult alternative. So if you think of a band like Head in the Heart, do you know who they are? No. Okay. Well, they're, you know, just kind of light, modern alternative. Okay. The, uh, Mount Joy's a little more guitar driven. And there was something, and I don't know if it's because where I was in my life, that like element A was compatible to element B going back yeah. to that. So, yeah. just, just, so anyways... I tried as hard as I could to find the yachtiest Mount Joy song to put in off the map. And here's what I came up with. What I want you to take away from this, though, is go get the 2020 album, Mount Joy. It's just a pleasure to listen to. It's if, for those of you who are familiar with Head and the Heart, it's if Head and the Heart had a great featured guitarist, you would have Mount Joy. Here's Let Loose. Yes, I want to get lost. I want to get lost with you. When I get low, I want to get Yeah, yeah, very nice sound. Yeah, it's very mellow. It'll take you, you know, again, it's not Yacht Rock, so don't expect to listen to a Yacht Rock album, but it'll put you in a similar place. That's nice. Yep, cool. Well, before we wrap up, I just wanted to take a moment, I think it's appropriate to thank, actually... We have some supporters to the podcast, so mm-hmm. who are actually chipping in. I mean, we never ask people to do this, like right. to financially support us. There is some cost of what we do. Uh, we do it for the love of it, though. But a couple people, without us even asking, have decided. You know, not a ton of people, but some are supporting the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to thank them um, specifically. If you have any interest in doing the same, cast we would turn it down. You can find our little tip jar on our website or on the anchor. Um, it helps us keep the lights on. But you are supporting this podcast just by listening to it. So thank you to all of those. Well, the gear shop does too. Ah, yes. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Our gear. Uh, yeah. Our bait and tackle and all of the gear that we have. We have some <laughs> Page 99 merch, which you are sporting right yeah. now. Yep. So. T-shirts, hoodies, men's, women's. I think yeah. You have coffee mugs in there, all kinds of stuff. And not all of it is just our podcast. It's just Yacht Rock related fun. Celebrating the culture. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. And then you get something out of it besides uh, just uh, a pleasant listening experience. Yes. 
So, um, to those people, we say thank you, and uh, we will, as we typically do, we will end this podcast with the words we always say, which is stay yachty, or keep it yachty, mm-hmm. and then, then, of course, our catchphrase, yacht rock on, and then we always end so with the... Uh, well, we... we We've we've asked people how we should end it. Yes, and they say just we don't care. Just don't end care. it. Just be done. Just right. end it. Right. So how would you? Do Eventually, that? someone comes across and says something like, uh, "Ahoy, poloi. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>